Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Um, well, good morning, good afternoon. So good to be here in the house of God. I just really want you to know that we have been praying for you. We love you and we're so excited for what God is doing in this place. When we were out here praying with all the volunteer teams that make church happen every single week. Come on, that group of people that make church happen every single week. Come on, give them a hand. When we were out there praying before service, it was, there was just such expectation in the room and such excitement for what God is going to do in the coming days, especially here coming to the quote-unquote Super Bowl of the year for churches. And so you know what happens the week before the Super Bowl, right? Who? Who knows? Who knows? Come on. The Pro Bowl. Well done. The Pro Bowl. So essentially what Caleb was saying, my husband, who's also the lead pastor, he does the preaching schedule. So by him putting me on this week, the week before, um, before the Super Bowl, it's pretty much being like I'm like the professional, like all-star preacher. So that's why I'm here this morning. Just kidding. I just want you to know I was laughing that joke about, by myself. And I was like, I need to share it with somebody. So there it is. Just want to start off the morning great. Anyways, but hey, I'm so excited because a lot of exciting things have been happening at church. Um, how many people were at the women's event last week? Okay, girls, I knew you'd come through. It was an amazing weekend, two days straight. So many people volunteered and served, men and women. It's an all-church event, those women's events. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of that. And also we had an egg drop you know, not the Chinese soup. It was an egg drop helicopter dumping eggs on the heads of children. So just kidding. It, it came close a couple times. I was just kind of like, I could see parents fearing a little bit, but these eggs were dropping from the helicopter, 20,000 of them. And so many people went to our Westside campus, over 1,000 people there to just serve the community. And there were so many volunteers that I even see in this room. Uh, I'm so thankful and I'm so appreciative. And we say this all the time, that team truly is our strength. The strength of this church really is our team. And something that Brian Houston, a pastor, a global pastor for a church called Hillsong, he says this, our church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. So I'm here this morning to tell you thank you, church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. More people are going to come to know Jesus because of your sacrifice. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we do church every single week because we want people to have an opportunity to know who Jesus is. So um, how many people have Instagram in this place? Instagram, Facebook. Okay, so many of you, if you've been volunteering or if you've been to these events or if you've, you even check in to Project Church on Facebook, you are like hashtagging Project Church, right? You're tagging Project Church Sac, tagging Project West Sac, tagging or hashtagging Egg Drop Sacramento or tagging um, um, God is so good, tagging and hashtagging um, to God be the glory about everything that's happened in your life. And then you're like, hashtag bless, it's so pretty outside. Or you're saying, hashtag bless for this, hashtag bless for that. And it's like some people are noticing that some people in this room are going to church a lot. And they're doing a lot of church stuff. And then some of these people noticing that you and some of you in this room are going to church a lot. You're participating in a lot of these church activities. There's, there comes a point where the people who are watching what you're doing on your Instagram stories and Facebook stories, they're starting to call you the R word. 
Has anybody experienced this? The R word. Anybody know what the R word is? The R word is religious. How many, and some of you guys are laughing because people are like, yeah, they think I'm religious because I'm at church every Sunday. They think I'm religious because I actually give money to the church. They think I'm religious because of this and that. And here, here's what I want to let you know today. A religious, the R word can be a bad word. And I think it's something that as believers and followers of Christ, that we need to continually and every day make sure that we're not being religious. Because here's the thing, church is not about being religious. Church is about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Church is about experiencing and coming into the presence of Jesus. And when you're in the presence of Jesus, he changes things in your life. He brings you to a point of making a decision to follow Jesus. So we do church. We gather because we have a relationship with Jesus. And we serve and we have community with people who also have a relationship with Jesus. And it says in the word to not forsake the gathering of the saints. And so we're here to spur one another on to follow Jesus. Amen. But here's the thing that happens. Um, sometimes this word religious starts getting people, you know, like negative, negative Nancys. And you're like... Gosh, why you got to be so negative? Here's the thing that happened to me yesterday. I was at the egg drop with my kids, three kids running around. It got really hot. It was a beautiful day. And um, I saw this woman ask this other woman, like, so what is this? Who puts this on? This is awesome. This is so cool. And the other woman who was asked the question, kind of her face turned actually sour. And she's like, well, it's like this church. They actually meet at the school right here. And there's another. And she kept on talking and I just started backing away <laughs> because I was like, um, not, it, it was fine if you have an opinion. I don't know what, exactly what she was saying, but it was definitely negative the more she talked. So I just kind of started walking away because I <laughs> was like, okay, well, that's cool. A lot of people have negative opinions about church. I don't know what her experience was at our church. I don't know if she had an experience at our church. I don't know what happened in her life, but it got me thinking. Here's what got me thinking, that a lot of people have reasons for why they've been hurt by the church and what they have a reason for not going to church. And one of the main reasons that I hear over and over and over is that they don't go to church, they don't subscribe to the Jesus thing, they're not going to be religious like everybody else because the church is full of hypocrites. And you know what? What I want to say to people when they say that, I just say, you know, there's a place for you there too, you'll fit right in. Because here's the truth of the matter. Every single person with a booty in the seat, am I supposed to say booty from stage? I just said it. So everybody with their bottom on a seat and the people who are on the stage, every single one of us are hypocrites. Every single one of us are hypocrites. And unfortunately, the church has gained a reputation for being a place full of good people who scrutinize the bad people. And therefore, we're hypocrites. But here's the thing, and something that I want us as a church to flip the script on, is that the church is intended as a gathering place for hypocrites who know that they are actually hypocrites. We know that we are hypocrites, and we are dire and dire need of a Savior to save us from our hypocriticism. Is that a word? We need a Savior, and we recognize that. You know, one of the main values of our church is that project is our identity. You see the shirt I'm wearing? Coming to you next week in the lobby at Easter. Okay. But project is our identity. 
We say project is our identity because we're all a work in progress. If we're all a work in progress, then we are imperfect people. And if you're looking for a perfect church, you are not here. You are not at the right church. I'm so sorry. We are all a work in progress. We are all hypocrites. So the church must start identifying itself as a project needing to be rescued, but operating in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, we're, we're going to operate in a power and authority, and yes, we need to always get better, and yes, we need to be sanctified, but we're not going to change our our beliefs according to culture. We're going to hold fast to what the word of God says. We're going to hold fast to it and know that it's our protection and it's our authority. There's no power in staying a victim of the wretchedness that we, that we are, the mess that we were just saying about. We are all a mess. We are all a project. But there's no point there's no power in staying a victim of that, but there is power in taking the posture of humility and saying, I need a rescuer. And when we take on that posture that we need someone to rescue us, then we are victorious. We're no longer victims. We're no longer slaves. We're resurrected in the freedom that Jesus brings. That is the gospel this morning. So people, I believe, don't subscribe to Jesus and sometimes because churches are all about Jesus, right, people don't subscribe to the idea of going to church because they don't realize that they need a Savior. They don't realize how bad they actually are. And they definitely don't realize how good God is. God is a good God. And we desperately need him. They don't know him. They don't know him. So today we're going to become acquainted with Jesus and who he is. Jesus, a friend of sinners. Jesus, a friend of the biggest sinner in town in the story that we're about to read. We're not here to be religious. We're here to know Jesus and to carry the spirit of Jesus wherever we go. That is our mission. So we're going to pick it up here, Mark 2, 13 through 17. And if you haven't been with us, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Mark. And ju we just come off of the story where Jesus he heals a paralytic. He does this incredible miracle. And all of the scribes and Pharisees are, you know, they're throwing all kinds of shade and hate on Jesus. And so we're going to pick it up here at Mark 2, 13 through 17. It says this. He went out again beside the sea. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw him, that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. May your words from heaven come through my mouth, God, and may it change and transform our hearts and minds that we might become more like you, on mission like you are, to seek and save the lost. So God, be with us today in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So the message today is about how can we not be religious? How can we be about a relationship with Jesus over being religious? And number one, how to not be religious 
We prioritize eternity over earthly matters. We prioritize eternity over earthly matters. So this is kind of like a um, part B to last week's message. What Jesus did was that he healed a paralytic, but when he tells him to get up and walk, he says, you are saved. You are, you are saved from your sins. What Jesus is saying there is that, yes, you are healed, but you are also full of faith and you believe. So because you are full of faith, you are forgiven. What Jesus cared more about was not the healing. He cared more about the paralytic's ultimate destination. Where was he going to go after he died? And something that my father-in-law pointed out to me between services was the thing about healing is that every single one of us are eventually going to die, right? And so healings are totally temporary. Do you get that? It's totally temporary. When we get healed, it's temporary. We're all going to die. There, newsflash for everybody, we're all dying, okay? So, so what's cool is that Jesus shows us that he cares more about your eternal destination than your comfort here on earth. In fact, when we are dis in discomfort and when we are in pain, we're walking closer to the lifestyle of Jesus because what he did was suffer for us. So when we embrace the pain in our lives, we're actually living out life like Jesus. But I want you to understand, he's not just about our comfort here on earth. He is about where we are going into when we, when we die and go to, go to heaven or hell. That's what he cares about. What is our eternal destination? So here's the thing. What I love about Jesus is that he was about his father's business. A few um, verses ago, we talked about how Jesus had healed tons of people. He was healing people throughout, through the night, all night long. And the next morning, he went away to be with the Lord and to pray. And what happened? All these people were knocking at his door like, Where, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? He needs to do this. He needs to do that. He needs to heal people. There's all these people with diseases. They need, he needs to do this. But the thing about Jesus was he's about his father's business and he went to go and be with him and pray. And he, listen, he didn't care that people were freaking out and stressing out because they needed him to heal people. How many people in this room tend to prioritize the expectations other people have on our lives than the expectations that Jesus has and the mission he has for us. I wonder how many of us are caring more about maintaining an appearance of spirituality than actually carrying out the mission that God has called us to. A religious spirit is about maintaining appearance, but a Jesus spirit is about mission. Here's the thing. Cancer, disease, Pain, suffering, a broken ankle, having a disalignment in your, in your back, having a sickness, having the flu. Somebody pray for my husband. He's sick right now. Listen, that's not going to keep you out of hell. It's not going to keep you out of heaven either. But your sins that are unforgiven will. So God cares more about your eternal destination. And he said, I came that you might be forgiven and saved. Let's prioritize eternity over earthly matters. Here's the thing, Mark 16, 15, Jesus tells us in his own words, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the gospel to the whole creation. The gospel, the good news is that we can be saved for our, from our sins and have eternal life with him. That's the gospel. Number two, how to not be religious. Notice when others are hurting. 
Notice when others are hurting. Verse 14, it says this, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to them, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Here's what happened. We have Levi, who is also Matthew. Um, you could do studies about that, but Levi is also Matthew. And essentially, he was a hurting person. He was what people consider, scholars and theologians consider the greatest sinner in all the land. He was, a, let's talk about Matthew for just a moment. Matthew, who is also Levi in the text, he was going about the business of Rome. So when Rome, when they conquer different lands, what they do is that they, they survey the land, they survey the economy, and they see how much money they can get from the lands that they conquer, obviously, right? And so what they would do is they would levy any taxes on areas, but they have to hire people to get the taxes for them. And so Matthew was one of those people. Levi was one of those people. And these tax collectors were the most despised men the most despised person, even considered by rabbis the type of person who could not be saved. They would be equivalent to the adulterers, to the panderers, to the flatterers, to the extortioners, to the greedy robbers, to the cheaters. You know, it's like some of those um, drug dealers who are out in the open and they don't even care that people know that they're a drug dealer. You know, that's what tax collectors were. That's what this particular tax collector was like, Matthew, Levi. He wasn't just collecting income tax. He was actually stationed near the, um, where the boats would come in, where imports and exports would take place. And because those people aren't always from the land, he would indiscriminately and arbitrarily say that you have to give me this much tax, mostly for himself. So he was that person, that tax collector, who didn't care that people knew that he was a tax collector. So I would liken him to a drug dealer. I would liken him to a pimp who doesn't care that anybody knows what they are. If that's just the status. I have a lot of money. I have position. I have power. This man is despised. Matthew was despised. But how many people know that hurt people hurt people? Hurt people hurt people. Matthew was hurting. Matthew was hurting and Jesus knew it was. We're called to the hurting and broken. And some hurting and broken people aren't pleasant to be around. They aren't pleasant. But Jesus saw that he was hurting. Sometimes I wonder if there are just people who are waiting for someone to notice that they are hurting and they, are, they have dug themselves a hole, that they have made themselves their own hell here on earth, and they're waiting for someone to call them out and say, you can be saved. There's a way out. I know someone who can save you from your sin. I know somebody who can give you righteousness and purity. I know someone who can help you in your hurting. I wonder if there are some people waiting to be noticed. We know that Matthew that Levi, we know that he was hurting. Because what happens? What happens when Jesus asks him to come and follow him? Luke 5.28 tells the same story and he says this. And leaving everything. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Only someone who knew that they were heading towards eternal damnation would know that they could leave everything. Only someone who is caught so far in their trouble would be so quick to say, I leave it all so I can follow you. Only someone who is that disappointed and that discouraged in their own mess would leave everything to follow Jesus. Notice the hurting person. 
Who is the hurting person waiting, just waiting to be noticed in your life? A religious spirit passes by, but a Jesus spirit perceives, perceives what's actually happening under the surface. There are people waiting for you to notice them. Let's notice them. Let's pray for them. And number three, how do we not be religious? We accept people on their worst day. We accept people on our worst day. Guess what? Jesus loves us on our best day. Jesus loves us on our worst day. This is what he does after many sinners and tax collectors come to know him. Verse 15, it picks up. And as he reclined at the table in his house, I can just imagine him with his hands behind his head, kicking back with the tax collectors and the sinners, reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus loved them on their best day and loved them enough to save them on their worst day. That's who Jesus is. And what I love about Jesus is that after they came to know him, he threw a party. Did you hear about the new part, new to party, new to church party? You're invited to do that. We love to throw parties here because that's what Jesus did. We party here at church, right? So here's the thing. When we come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, we cannot do it without community. I suspect that when people give their life to Jesus on a Sunday morning sometimes or in another setting, they walk away and they're like, okay, I'm changed. I'm renewed. I'm different. And then they walk away and they're like, now what? Now what do I do? What did Jesus do? He loves them through that. And he brings them into to inclusion, into community. Because here's the thing. We can be those people who give our lives to Jesus but stay in isolation for the rest of our lives and aren't built up in our faith. And that is a very sad place to be. That's a very lonely place to be. And we are not called to do life alone. Jesus did life with people. Jesus did life with the sinners. Jesus did life with the tax collectors. Jesus did life with people. You're not meant to do this alone. Community truly was his heart and it's going to be the heart of this church. Community is our hearts. But I just, what I think is pretty interesting in this is that it says many came to follow him. But they're also, just before they, it says that many came to follow Jesus. It says many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus. Here's a reminder to us. Even the people who followed Jesus, they are still sinners. We are still and always will be sinners saved by grace. So the gospel is for all. The gospel is for people who've never been to church. And the gospel is for the people who stand here on stage and preach. The gospel is for the people who are sitting in these seats. The gospel is for the people who come week after week. The gospel is for the sound guy. The gospel is for the kids worker. The gospel is for the production director. The gospel is for all. The gospel is for every single race. The gospel is for both genders. The gospel is for all. We serve an including God not an exclusive God. It is not a club. It is not a membership. It is a partnership with the Most High God. We are co-heirs of Christ. That is the gospel. God loves us. Jesus loves us even on our worst day. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and we are in dire need daily of a Savior. And finally, number four. If we're not going to be religious, we're going to stand up 
to our critics. Stand up to our critics. Verse 16 and 17, it says this. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Don't you love that? But what I love about Jesus was that he just, he's like, no, well, this is actually my mission. No, this is what I came for. But did Jesus do it with anger? Did he do it with hate? Did he throw shade back at the people throwing him shade? Did he belittle the Pharisees? Was he condemning? Did he embarrass them? I would submit to you no. Because Jesus can't be that way. It's just not his his character to prove. All he does is defend. A religious spirit judges, but a Jesus spirit defends. He defends those that he's around. He defends his friend. He's the friend that you want in your life who's going to, without trying to be all rude and throw shade and be mean and be full of hate and malice, he just says, no, this is my mission. He's a mission-minded man. He was about his mission. He was just going to speak his truth. And his truth is the only truth. Let me tell you that. Too many of us are saying, let me speak my truth. No, there's one truth. There's one way. There's one truth. There's one way. And it's Jesus' way. A religious spirit judges, but Jesus, a Jesus spirit defends. A religious spirit is critical. But Jesus, he is not critical of people, whether they've been walking with Jesus for 20 years and they're sinning, or if there's somebody who's been walking with Jesus for a week and they're sinning, they all are loved by him, defended by him, because he's a loving savior. That's who he is. So do we all know how to be, not be religious? You got four steps, right? That's that's all. Walk out of here. But guess what? Now what? Now what do we do? Now what do we do if we're not going to be religious people? It requires more than just knowing how not to be religious. And so I want to submit to you two points. Now what? Now what? If we're not going to be religious people, if we're going to be about relationship, if we're going to notice the hurting people, if we're going to be about eternal um, business, if we're going to stand up to our critics, if we're going to accept people, now what? If you truly believe that we are about a relationship with Jesus, then I invite you to extend an invitation to the people that you love. I invite you to extend an invitation for others to know Jesus. Who are you praying for? Who are you inviting? Inviting to church, inviting to events, inviting to your community group. Who are you sending links of messages to? I don't know. How do you invite nowadays? Who in your life needs to be rescued from the pit of their own hell? Who in your life? Who are you praying for? It's not enough to know not to be religious. Because in that, in just doing that is being religious. But faith without works is dead. Did Jesus change your life in this room? Who has been transformed by the loving Father? Hey, if you have been changed and if you have experienced a true transformation, 
in Jesus Christ and you know that nothing will ever be the same, how in the world can we ever keep our loved ones from knowing Jesus too and inviting them to know a loving father? Because we know the pit of hell that we've been. I I know the generational curses that have been broken over my life because I came to know Jesus. I know what it's like now to have purpose and no longer live a life of purposelessness. I know what I've seen when people have been healed here down at front. When people have been healed, the point isn't that they would have this temporary fix in their lives and comfort. The point is that they would have eternity in Jesus and they would experience the power of a loving God who cares about their comfort here on earth. We can't afford to just be chilling in our seats week after week and not inviting anybody to experience it with us. So what we did was we gave you guys a card. It was at your seat when you came in today. And I just want you to grab it. I want you to grab it and I want you to look at it. And it says this, who am I praying for? You have six days to be praying for someone that you can invite to church on Sunday. Listen, this is not about filling the seats. Our church is growing. We already know that's happening because people already invite. But who can we intentionally say they may come to the gospel for the first time or they went away from the Lord, but if they just come to church and experience the tangible presence of Jesus, their life will be changed. Who is that person in your life? Who is that coworker? Who is that teacher? Who is that student? Who is that family member? Who is that annoying coworker that you need to love and love them even though they're that hurt person that hurts you and annoys you and irritates you? Who is that person that we can pray for? Pray for to come to know Jesus. Because here's the thing. J.C. Ryle, a theologian, she says this, no true Christian goes to heaven alone. And I truly believe, guys, if we really believe this, if we really experience Jesus, we would know that no one should not experience it. Everyone, if the gospel is for everyone, then you are going to be about the Father's mission in the same way that Jesus was about his Father's business and invite people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why do we do church every week? Why do we do the egg drop? Why do we do fashion? Why do we do all these things that the church does? It's because we know that a lot of people know about Jesus and a lot of people are just waiting to be noticed. Here's the thing, when I was at the egg drop, while I had that negative experience and I just kind of walked away from it, I came over here and this woman came up to me and she just said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you guys did this. I'm like, great, I don't, great, your kids are gonna get eggs and candy, that's awesome. She's like, I don't know why I haven't been coming to church. I don't know, but it's been really lonely. But now that I'm here again and I'm feeling everything and man, you guys are just awesome. You guys are just awesome. I'm going to come back on Sunday. She was just waiting to be invited to something. And whoever invited her to the egg drop, they didn't just invite her kids to get some candy. They invited her to come in contact with Jesus lovers who care about her eternal destination. So extend an invitation this week. Because I, I think about Matthew. I think about Matthew who had been sitting there collecting taxes, just getting greedy and just getting, you know, filling his bank account. And the throngs of people who had been healed and had seen God's miracles and Jesus, like healing people, raising people from the dead, doing all kinds of stuff. You know he heard about it. You know he heard about it. People walking by, throngs of people walking by. And finally, when Jesus passed by him, when Jesus passed by him, He said, I'm gonna leave everything. 
I wonder how many people in our life are waiting for an answer to their problem. And Jesus, we know, is the answer to every single problem we have here on earth. And it could be just that one invite, that one invite that says, finally, I can, I can be saved. The rabbis have told me not even this tax collector can be saved. Not even this adulterer can be saved. Not even, no. listen, listen, they finally found, he finally found out that he could be saved because Jesus looked at him. Some of us are Jesus's eyes, his hands, his feet. Let's look at people, let's notice people, let's invite them. And finally, now what? Now that we're not religious, right? We're about a relationship with Jesus. I extend an invite for every single person in this room to receive the invitation. The invitation that was presented, was presented to Levi, that was presented to Matthew, is the same invitation that he gives us today. Leave everything and follow me. Just follow me. Invite, I invite you into life with me, walking with me, being directed by me, being forgiven by me. That's what Jesus' invitation is. And that's my invitation to some people in this room. Because I know that I've been there. I've been religious. I've gone through the motions. I've come here week in and week out. And I know that there's people even in this room who said, I don't know if I can follow it, leave everything and follow him. I don't know if I'm even a Christian. I don't even, I don't even know. I just come here because I know that it's probably good for me and it feels good. But guess what? God has more for you. Jesus and a relationship with him changes everything, changes the trajectory of your life, changes not just you, but your children and your children's children. It breaks chains, it breaks bondages in your life, and it'll pull you out of the miry mess and the hell that some of us are experiencing. That's who Jesus is. That is the gospel. And so I invite, I invite us, every single person in this room, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. This week before... This week before Easter is actually Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday was a Sunday that Jesus make, made his triumphal return to, to Jerusalem. And the people greeted him with palm trees, palm leaves. And they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus saves. That's what Hosanna means. Jesus, save us, please. She, or, or Savior, we need a Savior. Save us, save us, please, is what Hosanna means. And so I want to invite every single one of us, now that we know that a religious spirit isn't just about marking off a box on our list, not marking off a checkbox on our list. It's about coming into a relationship with Jesus and recognizing that we need a Savior. Some of us have been here and thought, man, I come week after week, I come regularly, I serve even, and I'm good enough. But no. Not at Project Church, we're gonna take on that identity that we're all a work in progress. And every single one of us, from the stage to the very back seat of this room, needs Jesus. We are all wretched sinners. Not one of us is good. But we recognize that we need a Savior. If that's you in this place and you wanna give your life to Him and you wanna experience the joy and the peace and the comfort of Jesus and a relationship with him. I'm gonna to count to three and I'm, everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed because this is a decision between you and Jesus. But I'm gonna be looking around because I wanna pray for you. So I'm gonna to count to three, just give you an opportunity here. 
to say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't want to walk the religious walk. It's just tiring. It's exhausting. I'm telling you, religiosity is tiring. You're critical. You're, you're trying to obtain. You're trying to maintain. It's just so much. And Jesus said, I want you to be free of that. I have life and life to the fullest for you. So I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand if you want to know and experience Jesus for real. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Come on, church. There's some people raising their hands in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. We can do more than that. People just gave their lives to a loving Savior and said, I love you. I want to live for you. We're going to follow you. Amen. Come on. Why doesn't everybody in the room, everybody in the room, if you could just repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus for bringing me here today. I accept you into my life. I believe that you died on a cross to forgive me and save me from my sins. I confess I have sins and I am in dire need for a savior. Give me the strength to live for you to find community and be on mission for you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for changing me from the inside out. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, why don't you stand? Why don't you cheer? We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is gonna be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. Well, I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.